Welcome to Trailblazer Igniting Business and Community. Here we will share insights, tools, concepts. We'll bring on guests as we stoke the fire to help grow businesses and communities. Are you ready for this week's episode? Here are our hosts. Welcome to the Trailblazer podcast. My name is Dave McDonald with Mobile Tier. John Oliver, Agile Wealth Partners. And we're so glad you guys have joined us again this week on the podcast. So we've spent the last 16 weeks covering a variety of topics. So one that really, I think, hits home for both myself and John here is really looking at the funding side. Once you decide to hit the starting line of growing your business or restarting your business. So as many of you know, especially if, you know, you are a business and you're in, you know, whether you're a startup or, you know, ongoing and rebuilding your business, it all takes capital to do it. Mm -hmm. So this week, we really want to talk about the different funding options that might be available. Yeah, somewhat, we're going to kind of give a high level view of it, but just kind of the steps you can roll through um, that kind of gives you that guidance on where should I be looking next for that capital to really take me to that next uh, plateau in my business. Exactly. And you'll kind of notice we're going to move from kind of like a less developed business to a more developed business, but understand there's no real order here. Um, You could get lucky and talk to the right person that happens to be a a venture capitalist, but you're, you're in um, prototype mode, you know, and, but you could also, find yourself um, in, you know, year five of a very successful business and you're still doing some family lending. So, you know, you don't necessarily have to go with any order that we suggest. We're just kind of showing that there is somewhat of an established business to a less established business and they're going to use different funding options. We're going to start with kind of the new uh, business and what, what you might think of as your funding options. The other thing is, when you when you have when you're searching your your industry for funding, it'll be pretty clear on kind of which industries favor which kind of lending sources. So keep that in mind as we kind of know from eh, you know from Dave knows from firsthand, and and oh, yeah. you know we know from the movies, <laughs> you know the Silicon you know movement, you know when it comes to like tech, you know we all have this kind of vision in our head of what they what type of sources of, of lending that they often get. And there's some truth to that. So just keep in, in mind, you know, from a restaurant's lending sources are going to just be so much different than a franchise to a, a tech company. So keep that in mind. And we're going to get right into topic number one. Exactly. So topic number one, and, you know, I know, John, you're the same way building your business, um, building mobile tier on my end bootstrapping was the name of the game on day one. Um, And bootstrapping is really important, especially from a startup standpoint. It's really looking at, do I have the financial resources currently available in my own house to really take this leap and be a business owner and be an entrepreneur? In a lot of cases, um, it may not always be right away that you have those resources. So some of that bootstrapping might come from you still maintaining your nine to five job or a part-time gig on the side while you build 
you know, your legacy or whatever your business is looking to be. Putting in your own money, though, in addition to that, it's also your blood, sweat, and tear yes. equity that goes into that. Exactly. <laughs> you know, that's what builds you as an entrepreneur. That's what sets you apart from everyone else. You know, if building a business was easy, everybody would be doing it. Exactly. It, the other thing to think about now is just that things are becoming more open. The markets are becoming more open because of the internet, quite frankly, and all these different softwares and services and tools and information online that that really allows someone that has the time and the work ethic and the passion to utilize those tools to your advantage. And oftentimes you're paying a couple bucks here and there. So quite frankly, you can afford it. I mean, that's the whole point of the bootstrapping. It doesn't cost, you know, $20,000 for the software that you need to run your business. It's more like, Hey, I bought this annual subscription. I really needed this software and it cost me $200, you know, and it's pr probably back in the day, it probably did cost you 20,000 or, or maybe you had to hire a coder, for example, and it, it's going to cost you $20,000. So now things have opened up. I, I would also uh, put in there the idea that when you're bootstrapping, it can't just be yourself. So if you find that you need to build a team, there's different ways of, of going about this. Obviously, sharing your equity, maybe making yeah. somebody a partner or saying, hey, if you work for this low salary that I can afford, then I'll give you 10% of the company. So keep an, keep an open mind and what bootstrapping really is. But I like how you put it, Dave. It's like, you know, what within your realm of, you know, your household, your, you know, your capability of creating income, that is basically, you know, that is everything that those are all the resources that you really rely upon. And that's bootstrapping. And I, I want to just make sure that everyone's clear that like they've also said how important it is. Bootstrapping is very important because when you go down these lines, when we kind of go to topic down the lines of different sources, they're going to be some of these people are going to be looking for, you know, did you bootstrap? And did you put the blood, sweat and tears and time into this? And what did you do with that time? And I think it really catapults you into getting yourself in a favorable position to maybe one day get lending, you know, so. Exactly. And your bootstrapping is your passion for whatever you're looking to start. Um, you know, and for those listeners out there that have existing businesses, there's a good chance a lot of our listeners are a lot of businesses that are out there. Um, they never left the bootstrapping world. Correct. And that is perfectly okay. They've built solid, strong businesses just on their backs. And that's commendable. Yes. And you know what? Really, that's the ultimate goal, right? Is to build a business that is self-sustaining, that you don't need loans or investors or whatnot. So that's the ultimate goal is to get where you have a self-sustaining business that's now paying you back for all that initial bootstrapping, all that initial equity, time, blood, sweat, and tears you put into it. So don't, sh uh, you know, don't shrug off bootstrapping. It is a great way of seeing if your idea, your concept, your product actually has merit in the market. So Without, Dave, again, okay. throwing the $20,000 like John was talking about. Correct. But here, so here's the question. So 
What if you kind of like, hey, I can bootstrap this, but I need I need some documents uh, be drawn up and, you know, I, I need this and I need that. And it kind of equals, you know, 10, 15, 20. I mean, obviously every business is different, but it, it it's, it's, it's saying, you know what, if I had 10 or $20,000 right now, I could probably accelerate this. Uh, uh, technically speaking, I guess, if you want to look at it this way, that's not really bootstrapping, but what's kind of one of the first sources that you could possibly go to that kind of line up with the bootstrapping because you're not really going outside your kind of warm market slash, you know, your, your family, uh, quite frankly. Sure. So really, you know, this is kind of an interesting thing and something you'll, you'll hear um, as a startup, especially, um, and even as a established business owner, as you get down to some of the other topics that we'll talk about bank lending and investors and whatnot, um, they'll ask if you talk to friends and family and see if they were interested in, you know, quote unquote, investing in your business. Um, don't shy away from friends and family. They have resources and really they want to see you prosper. So they, you know, a lot of times they'll back your play um, and they have, you know, potentially resources to help you take to that next level. Um, you know, I, I do have, you know, a slight caveat here, John. Um it's funny because as I've talked to other, you know, venture capitalists or other lending sources as I was growing my business, um, the topic of friends and family did come up. And initially I was like, well, what are we talking about? Like, you know, a grandparent that might have given me five grand. Yeah. And they're like, no, you know, friends and family that are throwing twenty, thirty thousand dollars at you. And I'm like, Well, who do you know? <laughs> exactly. Um, so be realistic when you're looking at your friends and family. Um, don't try to go for the big dollar amounts. It may just be, you know, grandma giving you $500 to, you know, file your legal paperwork. Um, mm -hmm. It may be, you know, your parents stepping in and saying, hey, you know what? We want to see you grow. Here's, you know, five grand. Go do your thing. Um, Correct. They are always nice pieces and it may take you to that next level from what you've been able to do your own self bootstrapping it to really then you know maybe even open up a storefront or you know finish that prototype mm -hmm. or finish the development on that software to really again see if there's viability for you to start tagging clients and really getting traction on your business two um, additional pieces of advice here one pretend that this person is not a family member. So to explain to them what exactly you're going to do, they, they might not want to hear it. Yes. So that that's understandable. If they stop you after four minutes and they're kind of like, Hey man, I, tr I trust you. And it's like, you know, let me finish. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. <laughs> let me get this out. Cause, because one day you might have to do that Two, make a contract. It could be one piece of paper, but make a contract, make it official. So put yourself on the line so that you're not, grabbing 20, 30, $40,000 from, you know, five family members and you're kind of yahooing around. Next thing you know, the business fails, quote unquote, and you, you don't really think it's that big of a deal. Like, no, put it on paper, make a, a goal. I'm paying you. My business plan says I can pay you in six months. So give me seven or eight months and we're good. You know, like write it down. And, and as far as I'm concerned, I would add very small bit of interest on there as well. Um, yeah. But 
just, you know, just try to make it official any way that you can. Um, you know, obviously you're, if you do kind of the family, family money, if dad gives you five grand, you guys shake on it. I personally still would do some sort of document, but if that's how you roll with that, that's, that's fine. But if it's kind of like a really close friend, uh, especially, and they give you $2,000 to do some, you know, paperwork with a, with a lawyer or something, then, you know, write it down on paper, you know, just go yeah. make a simple contract. It just, exactly. there, there's just so much to it, you know, mentally, um, a, as well as just, uh, just being professional and backing up your word to, to whoever it is. I don't care if it's, again, these are all kind of warm market people, uncles, yeah. cousins, family, friends. I mean, they, they, you can't, you can't disregard them just because they're family. And it does take the family aspect out of it and really turns it into a business transaction, which is really where you want it to be. You don't want this to come up at a backyard barbecue. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, the documentation that you're talking about, John, kind of leads nicely into our third point here, because, you know, especially if you're an established business, um, you know, maybe not necessarily start up, depending on which way you look at it um, for this next lending source. But having that initial documentation is going to be helpful when you start looking at banks, because mm-hmm. they're going to want to know how else you got the money to get this going. Um, it's all part of the documentation they're going to require um, to see if your company is viable enough for them to loan you money, whatever that interest rate is. And they're going to want to know, like, are there other outstanding obligations that you might have with friends, family that could possibly impede on your ability to pay back a loan? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And um, we put in here. Even if you go through some of the government organizations that have these grants and loans, like the, like an SBA, they probably even want even more paperwork. Isn't that right, Dave? They do. They ask for a lot, you know, and really with the SBA stuff, too, don't, you know, I'm going to throw one in here. We didn't quite have it on this list, but um, business accelerators fit in this lending grant yeah. modality. And these accelerators want a lot of information from you as a business owner. They're wanting the pitch deck. They're wanting your executive summary. They're wanting your last two, three years financials. They're wanting your next five to seven year financial projections. They want all those, you know, if you did do a contract for any of the bootstrapping or friends and family money that you got, they're wanting all of that because not only are they looking to see if the grant money they have access to or the loan products they have access to fit your business, but do you fit their portfolio mm-hmm. as well as their reputation? Correct. And those are all big things that you as a business owner need to make sure that you have all the I's dotted, all the T's crossed, everything's realistic. It's a long process to put down the documentation needed to go to the bank. You know, it's funny. I remember growing up and uh, my grandfather could walk into the local bank mm-hmm. you know, and needing to buy, you know, a piece of farm equipment or whatever he was buying. And he could literally just, you know, go up to the loan officer and they knew each other by name. He could shake the guy's hand. The loan officer would scratch a check for 10 grand and everything was good. Uh, those days are gone. Yeah. Um, if you're yeah. not already aware of it as our listeners, um, but yes, definitely a lot of documentation is going to be required for a bank side of it. 
there, and banks really, you know, are going to cater to the established business. They're going to want to see a revenue being driven in. Correct. Yeah. Cash flow is huge. I mean, I would say don't shy away if you're, if you have bootstrap for a good kind of going like past two years, getting into year three, you, you might have, you know, the ability to, to get some, some lending that you might not have thought you could that oftentimes they're looking for the last two years. Doesn't mean that's all they want technically, but if you can show a couple strong two year period of time and you're kind of working into that third year, you could be at the right time. Another alternative to look at, there's some new banks that are popping up. Um, Square actually just became a bank. Um, PayPal, Cabbage, Prosper, these are like fintech based lending sources and they actually use a lot of data and information that they can collect from all different sources as well as some limited data from you so it's actually not too bad compared to like a a straight up bank loan where you're you're saying hey i want to i want to double my expand my business uh you know uh double and i I need a hundred thousand i mean again you're going to be run through you know, all the different uh, levels of, of documentation and um, and, and uh, applications. But with the Cabbages and the Prospers, they're, I, I would want to say they're a little easier. Uh, just understand the terms are not great. They want their money back. I mean, it's, yeah. it's we, we were talking, sure. yeah, we were talking a little bit before this. It's kind of like a cash, you know, it's somewhat of a cash flow loan. They kind of say, hey, well, if you told me, that you make a hundred thousand dollars a year in net profit, then you should be able to pay this in the next twelve months at this rate. And if if you can't back it up, don't take those loans. So they might not ask you a thousand questions; they might just ask you fifty. And if you can get through, and that's the type of lending you just need that twenty five thousand dollars to kind of get to that next level, go for it. If not, don't get yourself kind of hung up on those because they can be. Uh, very um, short term and they and they want sometimes weekly payments so they they don't really mess around Um, and you got to be prepared for that for sure and you know really before we go on to our next topic here really when it comes to lending whether you're looking at a traditional bank which again little slight caveat here not all banks do business lending so definitely do your research and finding the banks that have a strong business lending background Um, some of them even might be SBA certified. Those are great ones to look at. Um, you know, your micro loans, you know, the products that John was talking about with your fintech programs, all of these loan products and financial institutions, they are going to be really specific as to what you're looking for that loan for. So is it going to be product development? Is it going to be expansion and growth? Is it just working capital? Yeah. They're all going to have their niches. So you need to know going into it, why am I needing a loan? Mm-hmm. And that will really dictate kind of which direction you go in that traditional bank financing options. You know, you know who really asks why you need a loan <laughs> is investors. <laughs> yes. people, people you don't really know, they're technically strangers. Often they pull up and and they are professional organizations, venture capital, angel investors, and then what they would call general investing kind of funds. And then I added another one in there. 
oftentimes you'll you'll hear of family wealth offices that actually do some private lending to usually local type you know companies like regional but they they also have their portfolios it's kind of a place where you want to do a little pre-research make sure you know what kind of uh, lending they do and what they like to do so you don't waste a lot of time but let's get into the investors dave in the wild west of of that (laughs) yes um so you as a business owner, especially startups, um, you see this all the time. It was made famous with Shark Tank um, going after that venture capitalist, right? Um, this individual or these group of individuals that you know have the ability to give you millions of dollars to grow your business with, right? Yeah. Uh, I would love it if it was a TV show um, that was yeah. real. Um, yeah, yeah. But, the deal with a venture capitalist and to go find one, it's time consuming. Um, and they do have, just like banks, they have their niches. Um, you know, they're very specific as to what they invest in, where they pulled their funds from, because they've got investors too. So, mm-hmm. you know, like John was saying, these are fund managers for all intents purposes. They have other people outside of them that have given them, you know, thousands of millions of dollars and said, Hey, I'm trusting you with this, go invest this in businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, and in turn, we want to return as much as that venture capitalist wants that return. So one thing I will say this, when looking at a venture capitalist, especially as a startup, there's really two sides of it. When you're looking at a venture capitalist or an investor and John, you can back me up on this. You have your investors that they will give you, you know, X dollars, and all they're looking for is a return on their investment within, you know, two, three, four, five years. Um, and it's usually, you know, a return that they can't necessarily get in the current stock market um, or other investment vehicles that are out there. Correct. And then you have venture capitalists that are, you know, hey, we are looking for a return, but we know our return isn't going to come till down the road when you sell this business to someone else and you exit the market. So what we want in turn is we want equity. Correct. And in some cases, depending on your type of business that you're looking to start or grow, you have to make sure you're comfortable with what that equity percentage is that you're willing to give up. Um, In some cases, I've seen businesses give up 50, 60% of their equity. Yeah. Um, at 50, 60% of your equity, you are no longer the owner of that yeah. company. You're, you're pretty much an employee. I mean, but which is okay yeah. if, if it works for you financially, but understand that's a great point, Dave. And you need to have that conversation. If you are the kind of the sole owner, you've got to have that conversation with yourself. If you got other investors involved, maybe different people own a, a few bits and pieces of the equity. Um, you, you need to have that conversation and understanding before you go in and start negotiating because it can be a very emotional thing. And we've seen people make mistakes uh, because of that. I mean, so yeah. understand that money does not solve problems <laughs> and it does not, money does also does not create growth necessarily. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's a combination of everything. And so before you go give 50% of your business away, because you think this million dollars is going to kind of help you 
get through the next two or three years so you can con- continue to develop your product. And you think on the other side of it, it's going to be, you know, millions of dollars of, of, of revenue on an annual basis. That still has to happen. You know, you, you can't just say, well, if I do this, this is what's going to happen. Yes. But make sure you're, you understand the economics of it. And that's, it's funny because as a financial planner, I'm, I'm so, I'm, I'm such a bootstrapper. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm like, yeah, I'll just go it alone. And there's some good in that too. And there's some bad in that as well. But I guess I, I just want to kind of warn people that the, the business still needs to get done. So don't think money is going to solve the problem. Okay. Exactly. And I think that investors, you know, especially venture capitalists and angel investors go into it with the right mind frame. They are typically not investing in your product or your service. They are interested in you. They want to know that if they give you a million dollars, you're going to do something with it. Um, But they also are hedging their bets. I mean, I've heard, you know, averages that, you know, what venture capitalists invest in out of 10 businesses, only one's going to make it. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? They are hedging their bets. Yeah. Um, That's their risk in it. Um, Just as it's your risk, you know, if you're one of those nine, you're not going to have a business. So it's, it's you know, interesting. Dave. Keep that in mind oh, as you go, go for it. Sorry. Yeah, no, you're fine. And then- no, it's interesting, Dave, because they'll say like the best funds, you know, like 20% success rate, you know, those guys are glorified the 20% success rate. I mean, just think yeah. about that. And that's why I'm, I'm just warning somebody that's thinking they're going to get the million dollars understand the work part still needs to get done they'll give you so just think about it this way they maybe have 250 million and they say if we make 250 bets um we know you know what's that uh you know 20 30 40 maybe 50 of these will pay us back either our money or 10 or 20 of them will actually explode and we'll our 250 will become you know a billion dollars so when they give you that million dollars, they are going to do their research and they are going to bet you. But if that million goes to zero, that's going to be, unfortunately, that's worse for you. I mean, you're going to feel depressed about it. You're going to spend five years of your time or two years of your time. It's, you know, I mean, some time of, of your life and you're technically going to feel like you failed. So you're going to be kind of back at square one. So Make sure you believe in it and you know you can make it happen before you go and, and get those dollars, which brings me to a point. It's a, a little bit of an alternative, but uh, just general investors, like one one way to do this, it, you don't have to, um, it doesn't have to be a, a venture capitalist per se. I mean, if you've got a pretty good network and we did a networking episode last week, if you've got a network, make sure they know what you're doing because you never know. They might be interested. You know, if you're exactly when you start to talk to people that got about a million or so um, and, you know, kind of getting into that two to three million dollar range. Now, you might not know this um, if they have this you know, type of, of, of asset level. But once they kind of get in that level, they, they actually are kind of curious and interested in other investment type deals. Now, remember, that's usually real estate for them. But I think if you're good enough, you could convince them that it doesn't have to be a piece of real estate. Um, and you might be able to convince what we would call 
you know, just kind of a net part of your network, a general investor to, um, to get a little bit more interested in your product. And who knows, they might write you a $50,000 check, uh, obviously exactly. with some parameters around it, but, uh, sure. sure. So you know, we but want... I think before... go ahead, go ahead. I think before we leave this VC world, and John, you bring up a good point. Don't shrug, shrug off your network. You know, be active in searching for those investors. You never know where they're going to be found. So here's some alternative ideas. Dave, do you have any top of your mind uh, alternative ideas? These are, you know, these are other ways to think outside the box, guys. I mean, it doesn't have to be. The funny thing that I do find often, uh, especially when I was a bit younger, when I talked to, you know, my crowd was a little younger and I was talking to a lot of younger kind of business startups. And the first thing was like, I need capital. I need investors. And they'd go right to the bank and then they would start researching like venture capital. And I'm like, okay, hold on a second, relax a little bit. So, you know, we got to think a little bit outside the box. Let's, let's figure out some ways to get our hands on some cash that will help us and make that amount the lowest that you possibly need. So if you feel like you could use $20,000 to build one of the best systems that you can think of, figure out what you can do for 8,000 and, and maybe over the next two or three, th three years, you can build into that $20,000 system. So uh, any thoughts, Dave? Yeah. So really, I mean, you know, John, you kind of mentioned this earlier. We're in the age of technology. We have the internet now. There's so many different resources that are becoming available. So for those startups or those entrepreneurs out there that have a product, um, the age of crowdfunding is here, ladies and gentlemen. Um, this is a great opportunity, and Kickstarter is a great example of that. If you've got a product, throw it on Kickstarter or some other crowdfunding platform. You're going to find people that are going to give you, you know, $20, $50, $100. Yeah, it doesn't sound like a lot, but if you get four or 5,000 people that say, hey, you know what? I kind of like this product. Um, you know, here's 50 bucks can I be one of the first ones to get it? Mm -hmm. It can definitely give you a, an opportunity to build that prototype and make some initial sales. Yeah. I would say do not forget crowdfunding. <laughs> it is, it is the wave of the future to a certain extent. And a lot of these, even these, a lot of these, we'll call them funds are uh, crowdfund, you know, oriented, meaning these investors are smaller investors. See in the past, you had to be an accredited investor. You would, invest a large chunk into these funds or venture capital funds. Now, some of these funds are actually made up of very small investors because the, yeah. there was a law that changed. I think it was in, I don't know, Dave, you probably know this. I, we could double check it. I, I feel like it was in like the 2012 to 2015 period of time. I'm not sure. But, right. So uh, one that I had was uh, 401k distribution uh, this year because of COVID. So You've heard us talk over the last three, four weeks about maybe it's time to start a business and maybe you've built up some funds in your 401k. And because of COVID, the government is allowing you to take a distribution of up to $100,000. Uh, you have to pay the taxes back, of course, uh, over a three-year period of time, however. So, you, you've, I mean, that's talk about bootstrapping. You know, it's like, hey, it's yeah. your own money. It's not a loan. You've got your own cash. So if you need 30K and you've got it in your 401K, you go and take it out. You're not going to get any pre-59.5 uh, penalty. You're not going to get any loan uh, interest. 
but you got to pay that back in three years to pay the taxes. But I think that's a pretty nice um, uh, way of, of kind of going about um, getting your hands on some cash. Uh, I've heard of a lot of uh, stories that people have used credit cards. I mean, you can build yourself a pretty nice network of credit cards where you could very well have access to yep. ten to $50,000, okay? Now, uh, I, as an advisor, a financial advisor, I'm, I'm not a fan of credit cards, but I, I love business and I think business actually trumps all. And if you've got a good business and you need that $5,000, um, credit card could be your ticket. What I don't like about credit cards is if you spend $5,000 on clothes and you have nothing to show for it, you know, a year later. So that's, that's a big difference. So those are yeah. just some alternative ideas that just don't be forget. Don't forget. Exactly. So I think as we close up, you know, I know we kind of threw a lot at um, our listeners here. Just look at these topics as a roadmap, right? It's different stops along that race that you've started to as you growing your business or getting ready to start up your business. It's different pit stops that you need to stop at. Does this make sense for me? Can I live here? Do I need to go down further down the road to another source of capital? There are ways out there. There are different things to look at. So as you're building your business plan, keep that in mind. Which financial resources are am I going to use that best fit how I want to grow my business and what type of business I am growing? Totally agree, Dave. And as we say, you know, and we've said over the last few weeks, this doesn't really mean much if you're, you're not on the starting line. So you've got to get yourself to the starting line and mentally prepared that you are going to start a business and understand uh, maybe you're starting a second business. So again, we, as we know, this podcast isn't just for startups in general. It's, I mean, this could be your second business, but you've kind of yeah. got to go through these motions again. Your experience might be better, but you're if you don't have two years worth of you know revenue and cash flow, it uh, doesn't really matter. I mean, you you might be able to build a bigger and better network because you've been in business, and that's where that's where you can get access to you know some of these more um, you know network related investments, and that that's key. So make sure you get yourself to the starting line so that you can blaze your trail. Um, and we hope that you guys learned a few things today. Excellent. Well, again, we thank you guys so much for joining us. We look forward to catching you next time on the Trailblazer podcast. Be well out there. Be well. Take care. Thanks again for listening to Trailblazer, igniting business and community. Please follow us on Facebook at Trailblazer IBC, where you can post any questions or comments, or you can send them by email at trailblazeribc at gmail.com. Any statements and tools talked about are for conversational purposes. Please reach out to professionals for specific advice as it relates to your business. Thank you.